The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Yeah, and I'm inspired today because um, it's, you know, about the topic of independence or freedom because of July 4th. And so um, as I started to think about what would I share if I was talking about freedom, which was the first word, um, I, I felt like I needed to have a smaller a small piece of freedom to focus on, right? <laughs> Instead of big freedom, maybe just small momentary freedom. And, and it ended up deciding to talk about independence with the hindrances, with and without the hindrances. So independence is, was more the um, idea as opposed to freedom from. Good morning. Please come on in and have a seat. You know where you are? It's like a crowd. Yes, it is. <laughs> I think it's because Andrea's not here, and I don't know what else is July Fourth. But I'm I'm Tanya Weiser. Yes, I come here almost every Tuesday. I don't recognize a single person here. Well, maybe we should all introduce ourselves. Would you join? Would you mind sitting closer? Hi, Don. <laughs> What's your name? I'm Jonathan Harvey. Hi, Jonathan. I recognize this person. She's a coincidence. I was just commenting that. I was just commenting that I come here almost every Tuesday morning. I don't recognize a single person. <laughs> that must be odd. <laughs> <laughs> Do you mind me having your name again? I'm John. Hi, John. Nice to see you. Okay. Nice. Yeah, and you're Don. I am. Okay. <laughs> I'm Rudy. Hello, Rudy. Hi. I'm Julia. Tanya and Richard. So, hi. <laughs> yes, happy Independence Day. We're being independent. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yes. <clears throat> so, I, before you walked in, I, um, oh, were there more people, but was asking permission to do a guided meditation this morning. If that's okay. if and uh, with the caveat that you're free to ignore me, All right. um, or change language in a way that works for you, that I offer. Okay. Um, I am teaching a hindrances course in the fall, and one of the things I wanted to incorporate into that class was a a guided meditation, and so I'm trying it out on you guys this morning, with your permission. Hi, come on in. Um, yeah, welcome. So before I start with the guided meditation, I want to just uh, read an email that came in this morning to me that I thought was so beautiful and perfect um, as a maybe inspiration for your practice this morning. Um, and. So it's a, a daily email that comes from uh, Sayadaw Utejaniya, and it, the person who sends it out wrote this sweet little intro to it. He said, hi, everybody. Here's a simple res- recipe for liberation <laughs> from awareness becomes natural. 
and do try this at home, he says. <laughs> do try this at home. And so the, the daily Tejaniya for today says, when you are aware of a clear mind, it stays clear. If you continue to be aware of clear mind, it gets even clearer. When you don't know clear mind, it starts getting clouded and agitation starts coming in. If you still don't know clear mind, agitation will continue to grow. When you recognize agitation, it will start to clear again. Therefore, whatever it is, clarity or agitation, we must know it. So, taking your meditation posture, I'll offer phrases and reflections and You don't need to repeat them to yourself or anything. You can just sort of let them wash over you and pay more attention to your experience. And I'm not going to say anything new, but that's okay, I think, because insight happens in an experience, not in a thought, not in a knowing, but in an experiencing. So if you can allow the words to point you toward your own experience, that would be a gift. Breathing in, I'm aware of the in-breath. Breathing out, I'm aware of the out-breath. Breathing in, I'm aware of the in-breath. Breathing out, I'm aware of the out-breath. Breathing in, I follow the in-breath all the way through. Breathing out, I follow the out-breath all the way through. Breathing in, I'm aware of my whole body. Breathing out, I'm aware of my whole body.
And just noticing, being aware of the breathing and noticing when you're not aware of the breathing. Noticing a sense of connection to the whole body and noticing where there's a lack of connection. Breathing in, I'm aware of any sense of leaning forward, any wanting, any sense of demand or longing. And breathing out, I soften and expand and open as much as I am able. Just noticing the presence of desire and reaching in the body and the absence of it or the feeling of balance, contentment, whatever amount is present. Breathing in, I'm aware of pushing away, turning away, or a feeling of holding back. Just noticing the presence of any sense of dis-ease or feeling heated up. Breathing out, I soften, expanding around any source of tension, just as the body expands with the in-breath. Simply noting any presence of aversion or ill will or dis-ease in the body, heart, or mind, as well as its absence, which may be experienced as a sense of health, ease, coolness.
Breathing in, I'm aware of any sense of dullness, fuzziness, drifting or heaviness, noticing sluggishness, Pausing here to notice the presence of sleepiness and laziness, sloth or torpor. As well as the absence, which may feel like energy, wakefulness, lightness, alertness, or clarity in the body, heart, and mind. Breathing in, I'm aware of difficulty sitting still. Waves of energy or feelings or thoughts, agitation. And breathing out, I soften and expand around this feeling as much as I'm able. Just pausing here to notice the presence of any amount of restlessness and worry. And also its absence, any sense of stillness in the body, heart, and mind. Breathing in, I'm aware of hesitation, uncertainty, vacillation, noticing any sense of danger, confusion, lack of clarity. And without breath, softening and expanding around this as much as possible. Just pausing here to notice the presence of doubt, confusion, uncertainty, and its absence. 
which may be experienced as a sense of clarity or confidence in the body, heart, or mind. Breathing in, I calm the body. And breathing out, I calm the body. Simply noticing the tension in the body, heart, or mind and also feeling into the presence of any relaxation or happiness that's present. Breathing in, I feel joy. And breathing out, I feel joy. When any amount of the hindrances are abandoned, one can feel glad and full of joy. Any amount of space the knowing of its presence and absence, feeling into the presence of any joy in the body, heart, or mind. And continue to practice in your own way for the next 10 minutes.
Hi, welcome. No, I'm so glad you're here. No, no need to apologize for coming in. You get to come in anytime you want, and you get to leave anytime you want. <laughs> so, um, so my talk is about recognizing moments of freedom or independence from the presence and absence of hindrances. And I have two suttas that I want to read today. Um, I love suttas, similes that uh, they inspire me to connect to some of the Dharma teachings. Um, so we'll do that, and I'll um, also invite you to you know, sort of pair up and do some discussion. Um, <clears throat> so um, let's maybe we could start by um, just reintroducing ourselves. And there are some people who um, come on Tuesday mornings, and I've never taught on a Tuesday morning, so I'm interested in hearing what your normal format is, so that I can possibly respect that if there's anything that, that needs to be respected. So um, would you mind, actually, Richard, why don't you start? Hi, Peggy. Anything, do you come on Tuesdays? Anything you want to yeah, say? there's usually a Dharma talk, and sometimes there's time for questions. Okay. 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 Meditation is sometimes guided and sometimes not. Okay. Uh, and then <coughs> the meditation can go from anywhere to from 30 to 45, and then the Dharma talk is anywhere from 45 to 60, and sometimes there's no questions. Great. Thank you. But I, I, think, I, I think given all the teachings we've gotten about impermanence, I don't see why you should feel obligated to stick to the formula. <laughs> <laughs> we'll notice the presence and absence of consistency. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ms. Bruni. Maybe this is one of my first times here on a Tuesday. I'm Julia. We'll go to the front, and then we'll go to the back. My name is Dawn, and this is the second time I've ever been here on Tuesday. Can't help you with the format. Okay. Okay, thank you. I'm Anne. This is my first time here. Oh, welcome. Nice. I'm Morgan, and um, I come here often. Um, and come to Tuesdays uh, I, uh, every once in a while, but irregularly. And yes, some of the formats can be longer meditation and sometimes um, time for discussion afterwards. Okay, thank you. Great, welcome. All right. Ready to hear a sutta? Mm -hmm. Okay, part of one anyway. This is um, 
I don't, I can't speak Pali. I should have Don pronounce this for you. <laughs> so I'll, I'll jumble it and then I'll say the, the um, translation of it. Um, Samana Fala Sutta? Do you know? Pala. Pala. Samana Pala Sutta. The fruits of the contemplative life. Okay. So suppose that a man taking a loan invests in his business affairs. His business affairs succeed. He repays his old debts. And there is extra left over for maintaining his wife. The thought would occur to him, before taking a loan, I invested in my business affairs. Now my business affairs have succeeded. I have repaid my old debts. And there is extra left over for maintaining my wife. Because of that, he would experience joy and happiness. Now suppose that a man falls sick. You could say man and woman. I could leave it gender neutral. <laughs> In pain and seriously ill, he, she, does not enjoy his, her meals, and there's no strength in her, his body. As time passes, they eventually recover from that sickness. They enjoy their meals, and there's strength in their body. The thought would occur to them, before I was sick, now I'm recovered from that sickness. I enjoy my meals, and there is strength in my body. Because of that, they would experience joy and happiness. Now, suppose that a person is bound in prison. As time passes, they eventually are released from that bondage. They're safe and sound with no loss of property. The thought would occur to them, before I was bound in prison, now I am released from that bondage. I am safe and sound with no loss of my property. Because of that, they would experience joy and happiness. Now suppose a person is a slave, subject to others, not subject to themselves, unable to go where they like. As time passes, they eventually are released from that slavery subject to themselves, not subject to others, freed, able to go where they like. The thought would occur to them, before I was a slave, now I am released from that slavery, subject to myself, not subject to others, freed, able to go where I like. And because of that, they would experience joy and happiness. Now suppose that a person carrying money and goods, is traveling by a road through desolate country. As time passes, they eventually emerge from that desolate country, safe and sound, with no loss of property. The thought would occur to them, before carrying money and goods, I was traveling by a road through desolate country. Now I have emerged from that desolate country, safe and sound, with no loss of my property. And because of that, they would experience joy and happiness. So just take a moment to let those images or feelings wash through you. I'm going to just read the second sutta, and then we're going to kind of talk about them. The second sutta is Sangharava, Don. That would be easy. <laughs> okay. Sangharava Sutta. 
and it offers, offers another set of similes for each of the five hindrances. It is just as a bowl of water that is mixed with turmeric or ink becomes turbid, than a clear-sighted person who examines the reflection of his or her own face would not see it properly. It is just as a bowl of water that is heated by fire, greatly heated, boiling, bubbling up, than a clear-sighted person who examines the reflection of their own face would not be able to see it properly. It is just as a bowl of water that is covered with slimy moss and algae. Then a clear-sighted person who examines their reflection of their own face would not see it properly. It is just as a bowl of water that is stirred, impelled, and whirled by the wind. Then a clear-sighted person who examines the reflection of their own face would not see it properly. It is just as a bowl of water that has been put in a dark place. Then a clear-sighted person who examines the reflection of their own face would not see it properly. So the five hindrances are desire or covetousness, wanting something, ill will or anger, hatred, aversion. The third is sloth and torpor or tiredness, sleepiness, dullness. The fourth is restlessness and worry, anxiety. And the fifth is doubt. So with the similes that I just read, the mixed water with dye represents sensual desire or wanting that like wearing colored glasses. Like when you look at something with a wanting mind, you are going to focus on certain aspects or the, you know, only see part of it. When you, um, the sutta with the water, with the boiling water is like ill will, right? Or anger or aversion. That When we get very heated up, angry, upset, it's like something's boiling and it's dangerous, right? Ill will can be quite dangerous, just like boiling water can be. With sloth and torpor, it is represented by the water overgrown by algae, right? Just you, It's sluggish. You can't move. You can't see anything, right? With restlessness and worry, the water is agitated and stirred up because it's like the wind, Right, that blows on the surface of a lake and just creates waves and turbulence and frothy white water and you can't see through to see in. And just the same way, we cannot see clearly into our mind when we have the presence of that hindrance or any of the others. And the fifth hindrance is doubt. And that's with the water placed in the dark. Because with doubt, we don't see anything clearly. We're confused, right? We can't find our way. We, don't, we can't commit to moving in any direction because we don't have a sense of confidence. So sensual desire was compared to being in debt in the first sutta. 
In this way, uh, one is constantly searching for something that will satisfy the demands, right, or a feeling of lack, a sense of longing that stands, you know, inside of him. So we've got the colored water, colored mind, and we have a sense, a feeling of being in debt or of longing with desire, that hindrance. With ill will in the first sutta, it's compared to a disease, literally a condition that makes it so difficult for us to be healthy that we can't even digest our food. And then again, the boiling water, the danger, right? And the clouding of the mind. With sloth and torpor in the first sutta, it was compared to being like in in bondage, unable to act freely. And that was with the water, with the algae, the thickness of that water filled, right? There's no clarity, there's no freedom of movement. The mind becomes overgrown, right? With sluggishness and dullness. It says, progress has come to a standstill. With the fourth um, hindrance, restlessness and worry, it's discussed as acting compulsively and being enslaved by mental agitation in the first sutta. In the second, it's the stirring up of the wave after wave of anxious thought. Excessive agitation kind of dominates and stirs the mind up, right? Making it difficult to sit still and be still. And the fifth hindrance of doubt is in the first sutta equated to being on a dangerous journey with scarce provisions. And with the water, again, being placed in the dark, minds devoid of clarity, and so its practice becomes dangerous, um, it becomes a dangerous journey. We get kind of completely kind of stuck and uncertain. And we, then any movement toward practice can just be met with a movement back or a standstill because we can't commit. We don't have the confidence. We can't connect with the joy or, or the sense of that this will be helpful. The mind is just absent of clarity. We can't see. So, in the, the important part is to, to me, I love the suttas in these ways because it helps me have a felt sense of what each of these hindrances are. It helps me see them in my mind in a way to have this um, image of them and see, notice the way the mind is relating. Um, so it's both a visceral experience that I get and a visual reference as well as a mental guide. So if you don't mind um, turning to a person near you and just taking a moment to um, share with each other one at a time. <clears throat> what you connected with uh, 
Like, were there any similes here that particularly, you know, sort of were important for you or helpful for you to connect with or you felt strongly in your body? And, um, you know, just going with what was the most readily, easily available or connected to you is always a great idea, I think. And um, so why don't we find a partner and just begin that, if that's okay? Just take a moment to reintroduce yourself and... And just maybe even taking a moment to notice the presence or absence of any of these states. Appreciate any amount of absence. And breathing around and expanding any sense of the presence. And maybe take a deep breath in and out. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes and either switch or resume whatever you were doing. So finishing your thought, and then again, maybe taking a moment to turn your attention inward, noticing any energy in your body, leaning forward, pulling away, being upright, sense of confusion, sense of not being able to sit still, a sense of ease and balance, just being aware of whatever is happening for you right now. Breathing in with that, breathing around it. And then taking a moment to thank your partner. And if we could um, create a circle, that would be really nice. Yes, whatever works is good. Whatever makes you comfortable and happy. Yes, semicircle. <laughs> so what I would like to do is um, pass the mic around, and um, it will be recorded, and it may be listened to people, by people. <laughs> um, and if you can feel comfortable sharing um, that way, that would be great as a kind of sharing the benefit of the practice and our reflections together, the benefit of our community can be extended beyond. What, you're, what you share and how you connect with the Dharma personally is, um, you know, it's in- incredibly unique. And so the more um, perspective uh, we all share and experience, the maybe more close our, our connection is to the truth of the Dharma. So I'll just hand the mic, and if you don't want to speak, you can pass it to the next person, absolutely. Does anybody feel comfortable starting? Thank you. And you want to hold the mic kind of like that, yeah. 
Okay. Uh, first of all, this is new to me. Um, the hindrances are, I've heard of them before. Can you turn it up, Richard? It's not loud enough. It was on. No? Can you hear me now? No, it's not loud enough. Yeah, I turned it on. Okay, can, there, there we go. There, thank okay. you. Um, this is new to me. Um, uh, the study of Buddhism is new to me. I've been meditating for only a few months now. But learning about the hindrances really hit me. I mean, I'd heard of them before, and I was supposed to do some readings about them, and I hadn't. But when I heard them, and it just resonated to me how much they underlie what we do all day long. So my first step um, has been just to recognize them. Mm -hmm. And I still don't know exactly what to do once I recognize them. <laughs> but um, just being aware somehow puts a distance, puts a, um, puts a separation, which I think is, is one of the things we're supposed to do. Um, the hindrances close us, um, and recognizing them, and then maybe responding in ways that I haven't quite learned yet, um, will open them. And so I do know that the um, one of our goals is to open, and I'm trying so hard to step forward to do that because I have a lot of those hindrances. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Just pass it, yeah. Um, also, this is also new, new to me, so um, I'm just trying to pick up little by little. So this was um, eye-opening. Thank you. I'll just mention what I mentioned to Morgan, my friend, who brought me here to this um, facility, about what do we do when we acknowledge that we have hindrances? What, what is the next step? And I mentioned to her what my college professor told me a long time ago, that the answer is in the question. And if you just focus on the question, the answer will just come. So thank you. Um, I guess I was most um, struck by the bowl in the dark room. And so for me, uh, saying to Anne that um, it's, uh, it's um, the doubt, the, the trying to gain the inner confidence and through wisdom and so on, that's, I guess, big part of my, big part of things right now for me, um, because that's the one, that image is really helpful, and how you described having that visceral, like, connection to the hindrances, I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to forget now the bowl with the algae, and the bowl in the darkness, so thank you for, thank you, thank you, it really helps bring them, as we remember what we do all day, or like, and put that little bit of distance, so we're aware that what's, motive are driving our uh, asleep actions and you need to be like, oh yes I'm in it I'm in I'm trying to look at myself in a bowl in a dark room this is doubt doubt arises thank you so I guess um, two of the things I noticed the most in our conversation Julia and I was um, in terms of what I said that how the hindrances can work together and feed off of each other. And the analogy I used was they're like those bad kids on the playground who egg each other on. You know? 
So in my case, this morning, it was um, restlessness and worry and ill will were kind of hanging out and egging each other on. Um, In terms of responding, the simile that just sort of popped into my mind um, in, in terms of the nature of clarity or clear seeing is to avert the attention to all that is around the bowl instead of the bowl itself. Notice the darkness, notice the sunshine, notice the wind. Um, I relate it to all of the hindrances, but I think the one that stood out was doubt because I feel a little stuck right now in my personal life about moving forward with a decision. So so that one is uh, something that has, uh, I've been thinking about you know, back and forth waffling for months now. So that was the primary one for me. Great. Thank you. I'm recently recovering from a um, potentially fatal illness uh, that is driven by the the second sutta uh, of the rage. It's fed by rage and, and anger and and. And hatred, you know, it's it's uh, it's an illness. So I really resonated with becoming ill and recognizing the illness, and then becoming well and coming out into joy. So thank you. Um, right now, it, it I'm it resonates this loss and torpor. Um, and it's interesting it's, it's kind of a dance kind of a dance of going out of the algae and coming back and touching it, getting wrapped in it going away so thank you so much um, I remembered that I, I actually had thought of that boiling water metaphor on my own, but not the other four. And I said, oh, wait, there's a lot of other things that can disturb the water uh, too. Uh, beside, well, no, it wasn't the boiling one, it was the wind one. That's the one I'd, I'd, I'd uh, thought of. But, and, oh, this is, a, this is rich. My, uh, uh, I'm told that my middle name Lynn means someone who lives by a still pond. So, <laughs> okay, it's it's now the most popular middle name for girls, and um, so I guess I, I I have to live up to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, my mind's very bouncy. What stood out to me was the the generalness in the um, the first sutta with all the stories, just the, the sense of gratitude when that condition was not present. Um, so that stood out for me, and also with the bowl of water just that you can't see with any of them. And, um, you know, the end result is sort of the same, I guess. So it's an encouragement to me to keep practicing and not put so much, um, not believe all the hindrances because like a lot of things keep me from sitting in soften desire or aversion or restlessness but once i sit 
what stood out is it's mostly a, the, uh, the sloth interpreter. And the doubt overall keeps me from continuing and committing well. Yeah. So, yeah, really wonderful uh, reminder to pay attention to what's impacting this moment and my possible response to it, you know, whether skillful or unskillful. So, wonderful. Thank you. Oh, yeah, we've got to keep going. We've got more over here. I know which one's mine because I tend to get forgetful about all the details. So I think it was sloth and the algae, and then I can't remember what the anal- the other analogy was. Um, it was, let me read it. Um, now suppose a man is a slave subject to others, not subject to himself, unable to go where he likes. Mm. As time passes, he eventually is released from that. But yeah, yeah. So that's how I felt. Because oh wait, wait. I'm sorry. That's the, um, you were asking about um, sloth and torpor, right? Okay. So that actually would be bound in a prison. Okay. Um, yeah. Bound in a prison. So there's slavery and 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 then um, being in a prison. So sloth and torpor is like being you know sort of in a confined space because it's. You can't move freely, right? That stuck out to me because now I'm kind of in charge of my parents' care, and they're both ailing. And so a lot of my time is kind of predicated on how they're doing. And I sort of feel stagnant Mm. in my own plans about what I can can plan for myself. So I I feel like this uh, sloth algae kind of stuck place but Ethan and I was were talking and he said something that was really great and I I thought about it and he was saying like noticing parts where maybe I'm not feeling that way and I realized yesterday I, I took a piano lesson and then the middle of the lesson I realized that I was so engrossed in it that for the first time in the day I wasn't thinking about something about my parents' care. Mm. And it's like, oh, okay, there are actually those little um, areas, and maybe I can attend to them more. Beautiful. Um, If I had to pick one, I would say all of them. (laughs) Uh, That's called a multiple hindrance attack. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, it reminds me of like the defense mechanisms or whatever, mm-hmm. like uh, Freudian stuff. But um, oh no, I guess yeah, just uh, I guess I'm trying to find that balance between um, attending to them in a way that I can process them while also like sometimes having distance where it's skillful. Um, but also sometimes like cultivating more positive qualities. Um, so I'm not fully identifying like 
as like it's because it's easy to be like oh man like this negative this negative emotion I don't want need to I mean they say negative but I'm not I don't want to put a value judgment on it uh, is arising and then I'm like oh I have a really screwed up emotional body and you know it's just so I guess trying to just like see it like arising um, and and uh, yeah it's definitely a challenge Thank you so much for sharing all of your reflections. Um, and so uh, one one theme I heard was, um, what do I do with it, right? Um, and part of me wants to jump to that, but actually I, before we jump anywhere, I think it's just this is what we want to do when a hindrance arises. We want to jump. <laughs> we don't want to sit with it, you know, and... Um, that doesn't tend to help. So I want us to slow down and sit with our hindrances. <laughs> and part of it is um, how important it is to be able to clearly recognize what's present, right? So it's, you know, there's often multiple hindrances, like was mentioned. And so it can be important to take the time to, if you see one, to just sort of sit with it, look at it, and then feel feel into your experience and notice if there's other things. Or, for example, it's very common to have um, a hindrance arise like restlessness and worry um, or sloth and torpor and notice it and then have just so much aversion to being in this state, right? So then you've got another hindrance there, but you're looking at the first hindrance through the second hindrance, so you still are not having clear view, right? So it's important to take our time and see if, you know, you may not have clarity, right? You may need to come back to looking again, um, but to, to really kind of like you would be able to name the delivery people or, you know, a friend or somebody else who knocks on your door. Let's imagine you notice there's a knock on the door and maybe the door knock is like a really beautiful doorbell that just sounds lovely, right? And you open the door and you want to recognize maybe desire. If it's there, oh, hi, desire, right? And and maybe somebody's knocking at the door and they're really banging it hard and loud and it's really unpleasant. And you want to open the door and you might want to go, what do you want? <laughs> but if you go, oh, okay, aversion, ill will's here, open the door, hi, hi, ill will. <laughs> you know, hi, aversion. Is there something you need? And then with sloth and torpor, maybe, you know, they're not knocking loud enough to almost hear it, right? And, but you notice there's something maybe a couple of times and you go and you open the door and you say, ah, hi, sloth and torpor. Hello. What do you need? And then you have um, restlessness and worry 
and they're going to ring the doorbell and then worry that the doorbell didn't work and so knock on the door and then go look in the window to make sure there's somebody home <laughs> right and so that's that's the visitor so we open the door and ah i see you restlessness and worry okay you're welcome here you know for as long as i can welcome you anyway and i'll practice with that and i'll try and be kind and what is it you need and then there's doubt right and they probably stand on the sidewalk for a long time looking at the numbers on the house and is this really the right place <laughs> uh, what if they're still sleeping i don't want to disturb them oh maybe i should come back tomorrow and so a week later you notice that this person keeps coming standing outside and standing there and walking away and coming back and so you decide to just go out you open the door and you say hi doubt you're welcome here how can i help you what do you need and sometimes we need a really big front porch right sometimes we need a swing a porch swing or a big space and maybe we can't quite invite the visitor in but we can say have a seat have a seat here i i can give you a glass of water right and then maybe later we're ready to invite them inside and we have a huge dining room table and we have lots and lots of chairs at our table and we can invite them to sit down and maybe maybe we need them to sit at the far end of the table and maybe maybe slowly over time we can go make them a cup of tea and come back and sit down next to them and get to know them a little bit better and maybe if they're being really reckless and they might spill their hot tea on us we don't sit down next to them and we go back to the head of the table right so it's important to stay with and not in a way where we put ourselves in harm's way right but if we act too quickly or without clarity we are still acting from that hindrance or that and another hindrance and so we tend to add trouble to the trouble there's another simile that's often used i've even had gone on retreat and had them bring in a jar filled with water and um at the bottom of the jar is you know dirt and sediment and mud and rocks algae whatever and so maybe when they first show you this jar 
you can the water is clear at the top, right? And you can see the layers of dirt and rock and algae and whatever. And and then they pick it up and they shake it. And then all of the water is muddy, unclear and clouded, right? And they set it down and it's not clear right away. We have to let it sit there. And if we pick it up again too soon to look, what happens? We stir it up again. So the sitting with or the being with or taking our time, part of it is allowing things to settle giving it space for it to do what it naturally will do. Just start to come to rest. But if we're trying to reach in and pull out certain parts, we're going to stir up the whole thing. And if we're trying to shake it up, move it away, it's going to stir it all up. So the value, there's value in finding way to let things be. Now, that's not to say that, again, we don't put ourselves in danger, right? It's very important to not mistake this practice for inaction. It's deeply, deeply important to really be tender and careful and kind to ourselves. So, when we think about what to do, um, one, one, a couple of simple things to think about are, you know, if, if you were in a dark room and you couldn't see and you were looking for something, what would you do? Turn on a light, right? And so what would be, what would be the equivalent of turning on the light if you have doubt? What do you think would help? Maybe a second pair of eyes, right? Maybe you talk to somebody who has some wisdom or you read, you know. And what about with um, a sense of restlessness and worry? You sit with it. It didn't work again. That's okay. You sit with it. No, we want it on the recording. Oh, yes. you sit with it. <laughs> okay. Anybody else? What else would you do if you noticed that you were feeling restless in the word? What might you do? Maybe you can't sit with it. Give it love. I was just going to say, give it compassion. Nice. Sometimes maybe um, you actually want to go for a mindful walk. Maybe you want to work with that energy that's there in the body in a way that feels, you know, um, wholesome, helpful, right? So maybe you don't, can't force yourself to sit still, but maybe you can say, okay, let's, you know, move and start to notice and appreciate and connect with nature or other people, right? 
What about if you're feeling a lack of energy? What if you feel sleepy? What would you do if you were anywhere and you felt a lack of energy and sleepy? How would you deal with that? Actually, I think taking a walk is a great solution for that often. We're just getting moving. Yes. Yes. Bruni? One thing that works for me beautifully is to feel light mm. on my face. You know, like just going out and feel the light. And then, um, what if you feel ill will? What if you feel aversion, not wanting? What might you do if you, let's say, you know, just thinking about it, uh, maybe you're supposed to go to lunch with somebody and you're really mad at them, right? But it's your boss. (laughs) So you you know you can't just let out the anger on this person. What might you do? I did that once when I quit. <laughs> and was that acting with a clear mind? <laughs> Maybe it was. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I remember doing that once when I quit a job in, in about um, 27 years ago. <laughs> I uh-huh. wrote a rather angry letter of resignation. But I... Um, uh, it... Well, it created some, the positive side of it was that it created some clarity, but I don't know, uh, um, um, uh, I mean, I felt certain things had to get out, but I didn't want to, um, um, I, I guess it created, it was like the boiling water in terms of the hindrance it created, but it was, uh, it was kind of like, it was like removing the algae, but it was boiling the water. Okay. Uh huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. All right. Um, so it, it had a purgative element, but it had a agitative element at the same same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also remember borrowing from someone else's letter. <laughs> was a, so fighting a hindrance with another hindrance, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and sometimes maybe we're trading a lesser harm for a worse harm, right? Well, I, I feel there's a, I, I feel like there's a time for patience and a time for, um, um, well, I don't, uh, given events of the last two years, I don't want to use the phrase stand your ground. Uh, but there's a time for, there's a time for, Patience and bridge building. There's a time where you have to sort of say, "No, this cannot go on," but you have to find the right way to do it. Yeah. So I wanted to say that um, you know it is it it is common, right, to try and pull from one another hindrance energy to try and address something. In fact, most commonly, 
Uh, we might often turn to ice cream, might so desire or some pleasure to try and soothe ourselves. So that's just a simple example. And I think one of the most important things um, when we're really sitting down in our practice is to try and, um, and when we're mo- moving in our life, is asking ourselves, will this, doing this action, will it cause additional harm to ourselves or anyone else, right? So just, just to help us maybe, you know, because we might get this idea, okay, I'm going to quit, and maybe it's a great thing. But if you ask, will it cause harm to anyone else or myself if I quit, right? And it sounds like it didn't cause harm to you to quit. I don't, I don't know if it caused harm to the person who you wrote the letter to. Probably depends on how you wrote it, right? So that can be another checkpoint for ourselves is to just sort of say, well, and then if, if what we're going to do might cause harm to somebody else, we might want to, again, try and pause. Try and pause and create space and room and practice with, you know, what's present in in the ways that we've been talking about. Um, Ill will, actually, one of the common antidotes to it is loving-kindness practice, where you actually, you know, practice wishing, may you be safe, may you be happy, May you be healthy. May you be at ease. And maybe um, you need to start with yourself. I was on a retreat, one of my first residential retreats, and I was doing walking meditation. And I had the perfect walking spot. It was great. It was really a sweet spot. (laughs) And somebody came over after I'd been walking for a bit and started to walk in my space. So they were interrupting my, my space, my flow, my walk. And here we are, we're on a meditation retreat. <laughs> we're supposed to be thoughtful and careful about not intruding on each other's space, right? We don't really make a lot of eye contact. We don't touch. You don't walk in somebody's walking path. <laughs> So I had what you would call a hindrance attack, (laughs) an aversion attack. I was so unhappy with the person. I was so critical of what, you know, how unconscious they were. And then I kind of recognized I'm having a, you know, hindrance attack myself here. I'm having a lot of ill will. And so I thought I'd practice loving kindness. I thought I'd try and offer them, may you be safe, may you be happy. And I'm noticing, may you be safe, may you be happy, may you be healthy. You know, I'm just jumbled up inside. I'm not feeling any peace. And so after a while I said, okay, I guess I'm suffering here. I'm really unhappy. So I started to give the practice to myself. May I be safe. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I be at ease. And it helped so much. And I was then, you know, it just spontaneously came forward for me to then offer the phrases to the person who I was now sharing my walking path with. And it came. It was there. The heart opened, right? So, you know, it's not always the first, first try succeeding, here, but um, 
keep paying attention to what's the effect of what we're doing. Is it working? Is it helping? You know, and if we're if we're we're pressing and pressing and it's not helping, pause again. Pause again. One of my very favorite places to go walking on the Stanford campus was permanently closed to the public in 2001. I've never been back since. Uh, I mean, you think you had a problem. (laughs) All right, so there's one other hindrance that we haven't really uh, talked about how to respond, and that's that of desire, of covetousness, of wanting something. So what do you do when you find yourself filled with desire? And you know it maybe isn't a good idea. Depending on the intensity, there may be different things. The first, um, if I see that it relates to me within myself, um, there's observation, there's you know, a little bit of investigation, noticing it, being there and seeing how I'm being dragged, you know, how and then if there are other people involved, um, you know, just by wanting what they have or um, having an attraction or having um, wanting to accomplish something that I cannot, but I want their input and I really want to have it. Sila. Can you translate that for people? Um, Sila, um, ethical conduct, and um, is, I just love it. I love it. It's, it's almost like a life jacket being thrown in the water when I'm almost getting ready to going to the water, I'm like, uh, here. <laughs> uh, so does, um, yeah, the precepts, the precepts. Anybody else have Don? Can you hand it Don? These are perhaps slightly different takes on what Bruni just talked about. Um, it often helps for me, even if it is, uh, if it's another person that's involved, to um, consider both the consequences of acting on that desire, mm-hmm. and to also um, really kind of deeply look at what it has to do in my own sense of identity what it's feeding that I cherish about myself or what it's um, triggering that I sense I lack in myself. Thank you. So time is happening. (laughs) And um, so we need to end, but I want to invite any of you who are interested in continuing this dialogue to uh, come to the hindrances course that um, Diana Clark and I will be teaching starting September 6th. Um, And I want to read what I started with again one more time, if that's all right, and then we'll end. So this was an email that came in this morning from the Daily Tejaniya. 
and it starts with a note from the person who sends it who says, hi everybody, here's a recipe, a simple recipe for liberation from when awareness becomes natural. Do try this at home. When you are aware of a clear mind, it stays clear. If you continue to be aware of a clear mind, it gets even clearer. When you don't know clear mind, it starts getting clouded and agitation starts coming in. If you still don't know clear mind, agitation will continue to grow. When you recognize agitation, it will start to clear again. Therefore, whatever it is, clarity or agitation, we must know it. And may the benefit of our practice here today and our discussions be for the benefit of all beings. May you feel slightly more independent and free on this July 4th and carry and share that sense of independence and freedom into interdependence and beyond.